Hello and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today we're going to talk about deception and delusion, the narcissist double defense. Two hallmark qualities that defined NPD, so you're going to know what these are. The narcissist possesses these qualities of deception and delusion. And regardless of whatever kind of narcissist they may be, um, it is their propensity for deception and their complete surrender to delusional thinking that define them. Without these two defining traits, they could not survive, nor could they keep the false version of themselves alive and thriving. These beliefs give them a sense of superiority that leads narcissists to believe that they are unique and cannot be understood by the average person. In many cases, this distortion of reality can become just, you know, a fantasy, crossing over the line from neurosis to psychosis. Not only are they living in a fantasy, but they are also experts at getting people to believe all of their self-mythology. I think that's what we can call it, self-mythology. Their charisma, youthful charm, courtesy, artifice, and seductiveness that is actually like a weapon of, of um, mass seduction. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things, that, that's what makes them so irresistible and absolutely adorable. Um, you know, when you first meet one, a narcissist, person with NPD, in spite of all this, you know, um, brilliance and sparkle and wonderful stuff, you know, I think most people are going to feel like there is something a little bit off about that person. You know, just think about that. When you first met um, that narcissist in your life, you knew that there was something, you weren't able to put your finger on it, but you knew that it was like um, some intuitive feeling that something was not right. You know, it's like they are like a puzzle piece with a few in incongruous pieces that maybe are not even from the same puzzle. Or maybe it's like the person who's dressed with the wrong sized clothes or the wrong size shoes or they're carrying, you know, they, they try to act like everything's okay and normal and they're trying to ignore this subtle thing that probably everyone can see it, but they're unsure what to do about it, you know. They're, and then after a while, the people start to question themselves and say, you know, am I actually seeing what I'm seeing? Is this person weird or creepy or is it me? And they start having that sort of, you know, uh, self-doubt about, about not trusting their own intuition and not trusting their own uh, gut feeling about these red flags that are just waving all over the place. Um, and that's just kind of a curious thing, isn't it? You know, to see somebody who clearly has their shirt buttoned all wacky and everything, you know, but you you tell yourself, well, you know, maybe I, maybe those buttons aren't 
wrong. Maybe it's just a pucker or a wrinkle in the shirt. And I'm just seeing it and thinking that, that they have the buttons off. And, you know, you start to question yourself. Um, so I think the, the message here is that we have to trust ourselves. Trust your eyes, your gut. Trust what you know. You know, there's something just incongruous with the person with NPD. And it just doesn't fit. Many times when I've listened to my ex-husband who had NPD, he, he would just go on with his word salad and circuitous narratives and odd and eccentric sort of um, commentaries and observations. And, you know, I would briefly dissociate and imagine that the voice I was hearing did not match up with the way his lips were moving. And I would begin to wonder if there was a point or any rhyme or reason to any of it, you know. But I was lulled into a pseudo-trance-like state, hypnotized by the sound of his voice, like a snake charmer or a cult leader or something like that. Um, I was conditioned through something called entrainment. I was entrained by the sound of his voice and the patterns and the cadence that were foreign and unusual for what most people do. And if you think about it, the person with NPD is going to speak differently and have different mannerisms. And even though they're like 90-something percent amazing, perfect dream come true, that other, you know, 5 or 6 or 8 percent is going to be off. It's going to be weird. It's going to be something like you don't know what to do with it. So the predators naturally do this to their victims. It's sort of a built-in way to ensure that they don't go hungry because their prey can't get away. You know, you're deceived. And the narcissist is usually unaware. I think that they're even deceiving you. The main reason for that is really because they have convinced themselves that they are everything that they say they are and that they speak nothing but the truth even though it's really just wishful thinking, impulsive confabulation, seductive conditioning, boundary testing, or some other transgression or insidious ploy to disarm you and render you helpless and under their control so that they can prey upon you. They don't even know they're doing that. I think that they believe their own fantasy that they construct, and uh, that's what makes this so crazy and so dangerous. So in addition to all of that, people with NPD are deceptive in order to achieve their primary goals without even really doing it in a premeditated, oh, I'm telling a lie kind of way. They're maybe believing it themselves. But what are their goals? Well, their first goal, and this is sort of a built-in survival ad adaptation, uh, maladaptive behavior um, is what it is. Um, so first of all is they want to have a, like an acquisition of fuel and fuel or supply is, is gained from attention, affection, adoration, all of that. They need somebody to just think that they are neater than sliced bread and who is under the hypnotic spell that they cast. They need to have those groupies those um, 
you know, rabid fans who just think, oh, they can do no wrong. Uh, second thing is residual benefits. They look for that. That's one of the things that drives them. Money, sex, connections, things like that. I can guarantee you um, that my ex-husband, uh, you know, whoever he's with, they're a step up. They have something to offer him. There is something to, that they can do for him. They're either like he, he's trying to make it in the art world, you know, here at a time when the whole world is unraveling and we have war and, you know, plague and um, the economy crashing and inflation. And we have like all these problems. And, you know, you would think that this would be not a great time to try to do that to launch an art career, but I can guarantee you that whoever he's with uh, has is like has more than he does. Has connections, networking, or uh, they're going to help him in some way because his grandiosity, uh, grandiosity, and his um, delusions of grandeur and his entitlement, and um, you know all of those things make it to where he feels that it's okay to be an opportunist and to take what another person has to have that's helping them because he's gifting them the greatest gift of all in return. It's kind of like a barter, bartering system in his mind. He doesn't feel bad about exploiting people and, and using them as a step up to launch his career with this ruthless ambition. He doesn't feel any remorse or uh, guilt for um, choosing them to, to launch him and to give him something he needs because uh, he's, he's giving them the greatest gift of all. And that would be him, <laughs> you know, his time, his uh, company, his sex, his uh, help around the house, whatever it is he's doing, you know. Um, so in his mind, it's, uh, you know, they're benefiting more than he is, is probably kind of how that's seen. So, yes, they seek these benefits from people. Um, and if you have nothing to offer them, like if you're broke and you don't know anybody, you can't help them, to, to achieve something they're trying to achieve, then, you know, you're not going to be of any use to them. And then the third thing is character traits. Since they have no identity of their own, then they take yours. And maybe you have some kind of culture or refinement, charity, benevolence, empathy, all these things they don't have. They learn from you what that looks like so they can mirror you parrot you, mimic you, and apparently sort of, you know, wear that costume. They adopt your personality traits, so they begin to like what you like and act how you act and eat what you eat and enjoy what you enjoy and all that kind of stuff. It's really kind of kind of sad to think about. They don't have any um, core identity or self. They are egodystonic. So they, there's nothing there. They have to take it from you. So those are the three things that are their primary goal, uh, goals or primary aims is the acquisition of fuel the, to get residual benefits 
and to take character traits. And, you know, let's think about this. The narcissist has no integrity, no morals, no conscience, no boundaries, no fear, no regret uh, or remorse, no self-reflection, no self-awareness, no respect for anything or anyone. None of that, you know. They are ruthless and cold-hearted um, in getting what they want and believing they're entitled to it and, what uh, you know, to whatever they want, whenever they want, and with whomever they choose. You know, relationships are transactional with a narcissist. And, and that's something... If, if there's anything that you take away from this entire podcast, let, let it be that, that relationships with a narcissist are always transactional. Any relationship at all, even marriage, um, sexual relationships, business relationships, friend relationships, they are always all transactional only nothing else no connection no intimacy no authenticity and realness and truth or anything like that just transactional it's just business um you need to know that there's no attachments and so you have to ask yourself this what would compel the narcissist to not be like that to be deceptive well, that's right. The only thing that's going to motivate them is the fear of getting caught and surviving, um, you know, some public embarrassment. You know, they, they don't want to go through that. They don't want other people to know what they are and see what they are, see what's behind that mask, right? They're like Darth Vader. They have this super powerful master of the universe um, front-facing facade but underneath that is the shriveled, um, damaged, very sick and fragile thing that is behind that mask. Um, so they're not going to change. You know, the the only thing that causes them to to do the right thing is their fear of getting caught in punishment, the fear of suffering some kind of uh, consequence, the public humiliation or shame. Um, outing so that people know what they are. Um, this is the only thing that's going to give them a moment's pause. And much of the time, you know, even that will be not enough to deter the narcissist from deceptive and malicious deeds in order to achieve their goals. You know, they are predators and predators must feed. It's nothing personal. You are simply food. Any deception is a great tool just used to um, catch their prey. So the last thing I want to talk about is how people with NPD deceive themselves as well as everyone else. It's pretty clear that the narcissists uh, of all stripes are exploitative, opportunistic, manipulative, and all of that. But did you know they're, they're so good at what they do? that they believe their own bullshit. <laughs> Magical thinking, revisionist history, classic projection and transfer, um, epic blame shifting, all of these things create the perfect storm for unaccountability and self-deception. How could anyone who is so perfect and flawless, which is grandiosity, 
Um, how you know, and who receive such unfair treatment? You know, they're often into the whole pity plays and victimhood. Um, they, you know, and they and they deserve so much better. They're entitled, right? How could they do anything wrong? And the answer is they don't think they can. Narcissists and psychopaths dissociate. And what does dissociate mean? It means they disconnect from reality and they erase memories. And they do it a lot. Uh, they are amnesiac because their contact with the world and with others is via a fictitious construct, right? The false self, right? Narcissists never experience reality directly, only through this distorted lens that they experience the world. They dissociate. They erase memories. Uh, they are, have amnesia. And in the parts that they don't remember, they fill it in with things they make up. So their memories of their life and what happened and who did what are completely uh, fiction most of the time with little bits and pieces of reality sprinkled in there. But it's crazy how much of it just um, in an instant when they leave a relationship, they uh, hit the hit the button that just erases everything, just wipes it clean, tabula rosa. Um, so pathological narcissism has been compared to disassociative identity disorder, which formerly was known as multiple personality disorder. Remember that movie Sybil that was so disturbing? Um, by definition, the narcissist has at least two selves his personality is very primitive and disorganized. Living with a narcissist is a nauseating experience that is just sickening because not only because of what he is, but because of what he is not. He is not a fully formed human, but a dizzyingly kaleidoscopic gallery of mercurial images. Wow, I think that that's a pretty good turn of a phrase there that describes it pretty well. Let's, let's, let's revisit that. He is not a fully formed human, but a dizzying, dizzyingly, <laughs> still didn't get it, dizzying, dizzy, okay, dizzyingly kaleidoscopic gallery of mercurial images, which melt into each other seamlessly. It is incredibly disorienting. Uh, and by the way, that phrase there is not my words. I believe um, Sam Vaknin said that. Sam Vaknin said, I'm going to get it right, third time's a charm. Sam Vaknin said that the narcissist is not a fully formed human, but a dizzyingly kaleidoscopic gallery of mercurial images which melt into each other seamlessly. It is incredibly disorienting. Yay. I think I got it that time. Um, yeah. So narcissism is a delusional disorder with a schizoid core. Although narcissists are not schizoid in the sense that, that, you know, these constitute different personality disorders, you know, it does happen that narcissists have schizoid tendencies. 
Dr. Vaknin talks about this too in his lectures. He says that, um, you know, in his book, Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited, he says that schizoid personality disorders are characterized by an arrested development that happens earlier than the narcissist's can remember even like sometime between ages one and three sometimes um you know both schizoid personality disorders and narcissists uh have this early trauma in common most of the time they could be born with a predisposition to it sort of a epigenetic generational curse kind of thing caused by parents with um narcissistic personality disorder or maybe other mental health issues that become that are hereditary uh, i think there's certainly some predisposition towards narcissism that explains why two people could have the same experience in a family and one of them turns out to be a narcissist and the other one does not that would be uh, something to look at that would explain that um, but both the schizoid personality and the narcissist, they both have problems that are, um, that have to do with object constancy and splitting. And I've done whole talks on, on object constancy and splitting. So I'm not going to get into it here, but you know, they both experience this dissociation, disassociation to such varying degrees, but it's, it's an important overlapping schizoid disorder that they both have this profound dissociation and um, it's life-changing. Otto Kernberg, and this is someone that I heard about through studying uh, Sam Vaknin's work, Otto Kernberg spoke of three items in regards to personality. Uh, he says perceiving reality, an integrated sense of self, and defense mechanisms. Um, he spoke of these three categories, uh, neurotic, psychotic, and borderline. And he said that neurotic, um, by neurotic he meant normal or healthy. <laughs> by psychotic it is the most severe category, including difficulties discerning reality. And, um, and then, you know, then like if, um, for example, difficulty determining if the voice they hear inside their head is their own voice or if it's some external voice or what exactly that is. A severely fragmented self and infantile defense mechanisms, like they don't cope with stress very well. Borderline means in between. So narcissists are neither psychotic or normal, but somewhere in between according to both Kernberg and researcher um, Tom Ewell. So, though narcissists also have a fragmented sense of self, it is far less so than for the schizoid personality. Um, and, um, you know, we could go into more detail about all of their defense mechanisms and so on and so forth. <laughs> I want to mention the recent Johnny Depp and Amber Heard um, trials, and I'm, I'm sorry if some of you are going to disagree with what I'm going to say, but clearly I think both parties could be poster children for addiction and various disorders from narcissism to borderline and even more. 
Um, but the uninformed public and the jury were fooled by the charismatic Depp. And so the verdict came off as sort of one-sided, uh, sort of vilifying and demonizing Heard um, when, um, you know, the way that I view that is that, and this is without knowing really any facts or without knowing anything. So really one can only conjecture and, and speculate. So this is by no means me trying to diagnose, you know, something that's tabloid TV news. But, I, but I, I did see something that was disconcerting, and that was the way that uh, it was kind of one-sided when I think it was both of them. And that happens more often than, than you think, you know, with these toxic pairings that the, the victim is blamed and shamed. And um, she's no saint. She's abusive, too. But still, she came off as the bad guy and him the saint which that I don't think is right. Um, you know, both parties were defamatory to one another. He said things about her that damaged her career. Um, and, you know, there's a victim's freedom of speech, something protected in, in our legal system that says that, you know, if you're a victim of a crime or victim of abuse, that you have the protection to speak the truth. And that should have been conveyed in that trial. It should be something that we all think about, but we know the world is broken and doesn't work the way it needs to right now. Um, so I just wanted to put, put that out there. Don't be fooled by the whole charade, um, the, <laughs> the charade that's put on by the narcissist. You know, ask any flying monkey or lieutenant in the narcissist army. You know, they just buy it all, hook, line, and sinker. They just eat it up. The poor, pitiful victim routine. It's incomprehensible how such a cutie-patootie could ever do anything wrong. A seductive smirk here, a sad face there, a batting of those big eyes, you know, that would put a flirtatious um, damsel to shame. The majority of our population, the groupies and the harems and the replacements and all of the narciss narcissist loyal followers, you know, they are suckered into believing it all. They're face down in the Kool-Aid. It is shameful that the victims of narcissistic abuse are treated worse than rape victims. They are not believed. And make no mistake, everyone attacks them both and, and blames them. So, um, in, in summation, um, why should anyone be made to feel bad about what happens to them? Um, you know, the, the narcissist is delusional and deceptive, and they are quite capable of conning the whole world because they're so good at it. Look around. People are lining up to support pathological people with NPD and psychopaths and sociopaths everywhere. And they just cannot see them for what they are. Look around. You know what I'm talking about. It's all around you. We live in a time of delusion, denial, and deception. And make no mistake, guys. In conclusion, I want to just say, 
there will be hell to pay for this. You know, when those kinds of behaviors are rewarded and people are so easily fooled um, by these very um, convincing con artists, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. And I think it's something that we need to all be aware of. So spread the words, <laughs> spread the truth and speak your truth. Do not be afraid. Do not be ashamed. Do not be stigmatized by being a victim of abuse. You know, in many ways, we're not victims. I, I don't want to be, a, I'm not going to, I'm not a victim. <laughs> I was a volunteer and I was victimized, but I am not a victim. No, I am not. Um, I participated and I stayed and I am a co-conspirator in my own demise and it's not my fault. And, you know, this is an awful thing to say. It's really kind of not the, the narcissist's fault either. In many ways, they're victims of, of something awful that made them what they are. So anyway, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I... Yeah, just think think about that a little bit. I know that that's probably not what some people are ready to accept, but you know, it is what it is, and we got to move on, be strong, get through this, get healthy, get free, and live our lives. You know, clock is ticking, time is short, every moment is 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 going by, and we need to uh, seize the day. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.